Eavesdrop on Experts, a podcast about stories of inspiration and insights. It's where expert types obsess, confess and profess. I'm Chris Hatzis. Let's eavesdrop on experts changing the world. One lecture, one experiment, one interview at a time. We live in a society swamped with images, where high value is placed on physical appearance and an association between attractiveness and youth, particularly for women. Hi, I'm Martha Hickey. I'm Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at the University of Melbourne and at the Women's Hospital. And hi, I'm Jane Scott and I'm the Lead Curator and Program Coordinator for The Flesh After 50, Changing Images of Older Women in Art. The Flesh After 50 exhibition explores and challenges negative stereotypes of ageing while celebrating and promoting positive images of older women through art. Dr Andy Horvath sat down to chat with Professor Martha Hickey and curator Jane Scott about the exhibition and their work. Martha, tell us about the biology of women in their 50s. So women in their 50s, um, most of us are alive in our 50s now. Our life expectancy is into our 80s. And in our early 50s, most of us will experience something called menopause, which is a normal reproductive stage marked for many women by the cessation of their menstrual periods and for also many women by hot flushes and sweats, which generally go away after a while. Let's talk about the sociology then of being in your 50s. Jane, do you want to comment on that? Well, for me, uh, when I met Martha and we started talking about... uh, trying to talk about the issues of growing older through the the context of a visual arts exhibition. Um, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me because, well, not only am I a woman of 58, um, but also anybody who's worked in the arts sector knows the difficulty of and lack of representation of women in the arts and also in particular, uh, nudes. Um, it's it's one of the, the great tropes of, of the art world is the, the nubile kind of young, gorgeous-looking woman is forever being um, reproduced and, and viewed by people as the, the perfect female form. But when you start thinking about and talking about representation of older women... You know, there's just nothing there. So for me, this project and and talking to Martha about the science behind and the medical um, issues around older women's health, it all just fitted in beautifully as an opportunity to really explore this. Martha, tell me about women's health. You mentioned the psychological issues may or may not be prevalent. Is there more of a cognitive load, you know, pressures of life on women in their 50s? Women are amazing. You know, women in their 50s are often have, they often, because we're having children later than we used to, they often still have children at home or the older children can't afford to buy houses. The 50% of our workforce are women. 75% of our carers are women, mostly older women. So yes, women do have a lot on their plate. Women over 50 are the fastest growing demographic in this country and will soon be in the next 10 to 20 years, the largest demographic group. So because of the contribution of older women to the workforce, to families, to caring across generations, if we don't look after older women, our society is stuffed. Women over 50 tend to be invisible. I don't see a lot of them in the media. I could 
probably count them on one hand. Yet men in their 50s are everywhere. I mean, sure, we know that a lot of CEOs are male. There is definitely an invisibility about women. You actually can feel it once you are an older woman. You're no longer seen. You become invisible as you're walking past groups of men. But you know what's even worse is that when you do see an older woman, she's trim taught, probably had a career as a model, um, and she's kind of this epitome of this, it's like the supermodel that we deal with in the media where it's completely unattainable. Just because a woman is older, she's still a supermodel, They the, the women that they use. And when do we get to see them? Incontinence pads. Um superannuation, insurance for life insurance. I mean, it's just woeful. Why, you know, why can't we have an older woman selling, you know, cars and, you know, all of the medical things from from the chemist? I mean, it's just always this young, super skinny, usually a brunette, now that I think about it. Um, and, um, you know, we just, it's just... Older women are wiped from all of those sorts of... Is that about the male gaze and about the sexual male gaze? Well, and I think it's also the marketing people have clearly surveyed people and and who do they trust? And I think that older women fall off the list for some reason. I mean, marketers will will sell you anything and, and have anybody represent it if they think that that's actually going to cut their message through. So, you know, I, I have to believe that they're actually doing their research, um, which is a huge concern that uh, older women are not considered uh, as, as great spokespeople for a whole range of items. And yet the maternal archetype, even from a Jungian perspective, is something that is quite powerful. Mm, absolutely. Uh, there's there's a miss, but we, we know there's a miss. We know there's something wrong with the way that we view older women, which is why we're doing this project. Martha, tell me about the invisibility of women. What's your perspectives on this? So in Fresh After 50, we're interested in exploring this idea of invisibility. And I think a crucial question is who's looking. And if the visibility is about the gaze of a young men, then many women, young and old women, do not want to be under that scrutiny. When I look at my daughter who's 20 and I see the kind of visibility that she has, including people taking photographs of her without her permission and being harassed, I'm glad that I'm an older woman. It's interesting perspective. Tell me the story of a friend of yours who's a cyclist. So we, I was cycling with some friends and uh, one of the people is a woman over 60 actually. And we cycled a certain distance and she said, that's it, I've had enough, I don't want to cycle anymore. So we talked about what we could do. We were in the country. There were no Ubers. There were no taxis available. And she went up to a ute that was parked outside the pub. A young man, two children in the back, explained her circumstance. And he said, yes, of course, I'll give you a lift. And we reflected afterwards that our daughters who were in their 20s could not have done that. And that man could not have offered those young women a lift. So we're grateful for many ways of the advantages and the relative safety that we have as older women, although no women in our society seem to be safe at the moment. So there are disadvantages of being any age, really. What are the advantages of being over 50? If I just said, say three words. Money. Security, confidence. Mm, can't give a flying f*** anymore. Um, doesn't matter. And uh, f*** you. 
<laughs> Love it. I'll second that. <laughs> so Flesh After 50, how did it come about and why the title? So the title came about following a conversation that I had with my friend Michelle Ong Thin, who is a writer. She told me about this fabulous quote from Eve Arnold talking about whether or not she would photograph Joan Crawford naked over 50. And Eve's response was, no, something happens to flesh after 50. So we're ashamed of flesh after 50. We live in an ageist society. I mean, we cringe at the thought of seeing people who are elderly naked. But that that's the dilemma of this dilemma and also delight of this exhibition and and part of the project was actually taking it out and photographing attempting to photograph 500 women over the age of 50 in the nude and we interviewed all of those women um, and I couldn't tell you statistically how many I'd say I don't know maybe 70 percent of the women talked about how they were very unhappy about the way their bodies had aged which is just you know, we're forced into that position, I think, through all of our education and, and through the way that society actually reflects back to us and tells us, you know, there's something wrong with us if we have a wrinkle, if we have a bulge, if we have a dimple, you know. So most of the women would comment and talk about the fact that they were unhappy in their own skin. But once they got that off their chest, they started to talk about how proud they were of their bodies for carrying them around, for kind of delivering them the the ability to have the life that they now enjoy. And so it was always with a mixture of, you know, I'm not happy about my body, but then on the other hand, I am quite happy about my body. So, you know, the, this flesh after 50, for some people, they didn't like it because, you know, it, it, it brought up some negatives. But there was also this other side of it too, which is whilst facing the negatives, you find the positives. And just to to mention how this project started, um, I run a menopause service and a lot of my clinical work is spent with women who are facing menopause at an early age. And what I was hearing repeatedly from those young women was saying, I'm going to be an old woman. And that those two words together were the worst thing in the world. And reflecting on the myself and the women that I knew and the contribution of older women, I really wanted to change that message. I think this is wonderful. You're actually challenging our perceptions of ageing. You're, you're basically saying stop the age shaming and not only that, you're saying let's celebrate the flesh that is older and over 50. Well, there's a few things about ageing that are different from other areas of inequity, for example, uh, ethnicity, because everybody's going to get it. So there's really no value in giving a message to somebody that they should not get older or they should not look older because it's impossible. Now, you two decided this is worth doing as an exhibition. Give us some theatre of the mind. Give us a little guided tour of the exhibition so we can understand how you are approaching this social dialogue with people who will visit the exhibition and those who are listening to this podcast. So it was really important that we had a diversity of artists and materials and perspectives. And what is always delightful about curating an exhibition is that, you know, as the curator, you come in with a bit of an idea about what the work will be and the artists just turn it on its head and come up with a whole other range of, of ways in which we can interpret this. So in selecting the 
artists, um, we went out and we got many advisors and talked to many people that were working within the industry who work with artists. But we wanted to make sure that we had both male and female artists actually producing the work because the issue of female ageing is as big an issue for the men as it is for the women because they are part of the the story about any, you know, the, the shaming or the negative attitudes towards it. We need to cut through with men as much as we do with women. Um, we also wanted to have some younger artists represented. So um, there are some uh, recent graduates, for example, that are in the exhibition as well. Um, just bringing those different sorts of ideas and perspectives. In terms of the media, we wanted... Uh, to have all media represented. Obviously, photography became a big part of the project, uh, but there's also sculpture and uh, printmaking uh, and uh, fabric design, as well as video work as well. So um, some sound installations. So there's a full gamut of all of the different media that you would expect to see in an exhibition. But the point of view, which is about celebrating and exploring um, what it is to be an older woman is at the core of, of each of the artists' perspective. Give us an example of one of the artist's works. Uh, well, I just this morning had a look at uh, Sam Jinks, um, who is very well known for his photorealistic sculptures that he produces. Uh, and he has uh, done a fantastic um, bigger-than-life size figure of an older woman in the nude um, that is quite beguiling but also in your face with the reality of what a body looks like. Um, the other project which has really taken up a lot of our time over the last 18 months has been working with an artist, Ponch Hawks, who undertook to photograph uh, 500 women in the nude from across Victoria uh, and we also interviewed all of those women um, and a lot of the issues came up around whether or not uh, you should, could or would cover your face for anonymity um, and we had a lot of women who came forward who talked about the fact that um, you know not even their husbands have seen them without their clothes on and here they were modelling in the nude for everybody to look at them and uh, you know, with social media now, you can't guarantee that anybody's anonymity is going to be protected. So a lot of women had to make the decision about whether or not they would cover their face or, or show themselves in in their full glory. Um, but what was interesting about that project was just the diversity of body types, shapes, um, scars, uh, ethnicity. And we were really thrilled that we got such a diverse range of women who wanted to share what it is that their bodies look like. Um, Greg Taylor was another artist who has a very famous piece over in Mona in Tasmania, which is the, uh, the piece is called Cunts and Other Conversations, which is 150 vulvas um, that he cast of women. Um, we've got 40 of those are going to be in the exhibition. But the I mean, the conversations, it's quite a, a um, interesting title because it really does make people start to realise the diversity in something that you had no idea. You know, people, you look at the first one, you go, oh my God, is that really what a vulva looks like? Wow. And then you get to the second one, you go, wow, that's so different. Who knew that there was so much variation in, in what we all kind of really don't think about? And then, but by the time you get to number 30, you go, oh 
God, I just don't give a damn. Who cares? They're vulvas. Um, And so we're really hoping that when people come into this exhibition and they see so many older women in the nude, that they're just going to say, wow, that's what older women look like. Big deal. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. It's not something we should be covering up. It's just the way people actually are. And, you know, hopefully young people, um, as well as, uh, you know, the, the people that have participated in the project, will come away feeling much more comfortable about what older bodies look like. And as Martha said, you know, we're sort of demystifying, but also hopefully taking some of the fear and dread out of ageing by actually just exposing all of these fantastic bodies. I love it. You're normalising ageing. So for the 500 strong photograph that Jane's just been talking about, these 500 images of naked women over 50, the first viewing of that will be by the women themselves and a, a friend or partner that they might choose to invite. And we felt that was a very important aspect of what we were doing, that those women had the opportunity to see first. And the other thing I just need to uh, say, we, while we were gunning to get 500 women, we actually got something like 422. <laughs> we were very ambitious. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's still one of the biggest exhibitions and we believe internationally um, that has this many photographs, images, paintings, drawings of naked women over the age of 50. So I think that aspect of innovation is very important. Uh, We were really surprised when we looked around to see what other work had been done internationally, and there's really nothing. I mean, there are obviously people like Spencer Tunick who have photographed many naked bodies, but nobody has taken moved the gaze to look at older women before. How did some of these women who were photographed reinvent the way they saw their own body? What was the transformation for some of these participants? Did they consider their bodies a map of experience? We had the fantastic opportunity to listen to the stories of the women who had attended and to understand their reasons why they wanted to be involved in this in this photography exhibition, the, particularly the, I'm talking about the 500 Strong piece, and also to understand the impact that that involvement had on their sense of self and on their their families and on their views of themselves. Yeah, I think just um, that, uh, you know, there's been quite a few women who uh, have talked to us about domestic violence in their life and that they have chosen to actually come along and participate in this project as a way of reclaiming their body as their own space. Uh, and the thing that you know, that they have control over and they can use in the way that they wish to. So we did talk to a number of women that that brought those sorts of stories. We also had women that would turn up for the photo shoot and cry because it was so confronting for them to actually take their clothes off in front of somebody else. Um, And it was so emotionally moving. And other women... Honestly, I thought they were going to do a runner. I didn't think they'd go through with it. They'd get to the front door. We'd offer them drinks and snacks and chats and get them to fill in the survey and relax and, and meet other women that were have just had their photograph taken or those going in. Um, and there were a couple of times where I just thought, oh, she's never going to make it. She's going to bolt before she takes her clothes off. But inevitably, everybody did. And when they came out the other side of the experience, it was like this weight of the world had been lifted from their shoulders. And I'm thinking, this is, you know, there's so much more to this story um, and this project than just creating art. Um, it's 
it's about creating space for people to let go of some crap in their lives. Um, and, you know, that's it's a terrific thing. I feel sad because I can identify with the constraints of how I feel about my body and the shame that's been built around it since, well, since since I started listening to advertising and, and social ideas that perhaps were questionable, but also not having the strength to actually question what was in the media and in advertising mm. and that sort of thing. And I know also when, when Ponch and I started working on this and we... Ponch photographed herself and then she photographed me as the starting point of the project. Uh, and then we spent hours over a course of an evening discussing how horrified we were about how our bodies looked. And we thought, oh my, you know, if this is the experience that we're having, um, what's this going to be like for everybody else that walks in the studio doors? So we we're very mindful of of the sensitive nature of, of this. Um, and Ponch, as a photographer who has worked all of her life in this medium, but she's also a woman who's in her 70s, was one of the best placed people to be have the empathy and the understanding um, to produce this amazing body of work. And I think taking a more broader, a broader sort of sociological perspective on this, we're conscious that older women potentially face dual discrimination because they're older and because they're women. Tell me more about that. Well, I think we, we're, we're very conscious of, of ageism and in an ageing society, it's unsustainable to not give full recognition and support to older people. And women are the larger proportion of older people maintaining their physical mental health is absolutely paramount for us. Is ageism really one of the last isms that are so detrimental to people's well-being? Society has attempted to tackle racism and, of course, sexism. It's a very gendered question and most of the world is run by older men. So if there is ageism, it doesn't go across societies and across genders. Jane, tell us about... Crohn's, and there's even a thing called croning ceremonies where we celebrate women over 50. Mm. Well, from an arts perspective, when I started doing the research on this and started looking back at, at the way in which older women were represented in art history, and particularly if they were nude, it was not a positive picture. There, I mean, Crohn's in the most negative sense, witches, hags, um, and there were literally no historical nude, maybe the odd one, but, you know, it, it was few and far between. And, and of course, you know, uh, this is not to deny, of course, feminism in art and, you know, once the sort of, you know, the, the 50s and 60s kicked in, things have really turned around in terms of what's being depicted. Um, and we're not we're, we can't possibly give justice to all the wonderful work that has been done in that area. But we did take a look back and just uh, invited some academics and writers to contemplate this area uh, and to write about it. And so the, the catalogue comes with some terrific essays um, by uh, Professor Catherine Speck and Professor Kate McNeil, um, who have both written 
on this area, moving forward to the new work that's been produced in in this exhibition. But it, it, you know, we wanted to touch upon that negative way in which women have in the history of art have been projected um, as a way of of giving some context as to where we've got to with this exhibition now. Um, so it's been an interesting exercise. I mean, one of the earliest works, and and we all learned very quickly, do not Google naked older women because you're one click away from being drowning in porn that you can't get your computer out of for quite some time. And that was a that was a that was a rookie trap for all of us when we started curating this exhibition. Um, but some of the earliest images of older women in the nude was really turn of the century pornographic images because older women were not as worried about their reputation back then as the younger women. So that was where we started to see, okay, well, that's interesting. There are actually some images if you want to to find them. Um, and, and that was one of the artists that led to conversations with an artist called Patrick Pound, whose practice is all about um, recycling and reusing found photographic images. Um, and so he did a lot of research to discover a whole range of different photographs. Um, not necessarily all of those early porn, but it, it does exist. A, a couple of things. Uh, one is that this is an area where where we've really benefited and grown from Aboriginal art. Because in those communities and in that art space, older women, as they look normally, are represented. And that's an enormous gap in non-Aboriginal art, as Jane pointed out. Give me a definition of the word crones. People will have heard the word cronies. It's often used for politicians and their followers, immediate circle of followers. But what is the true meaning of the word crone? Uh, I would use the word crone in terms of um, a hag. You know, historically it was a, a negative depiction of an older woman. So are there any positive words about older women's appearance? I can't think of any. There's, there's the whole sort of cougar thing. So older women are represented as being uh, ugly or dangerous or grasping in some way or another. And yet they have the wisdom. I mean, even old wives' tales was used as a way to discredit um, the women that were helping women give mm. birth. So there's a whole other discussion around the terminology and the nomenclature that's used in this space. What we've been focusing on is on the imagery, but that's really just a first step. Next time we catch a glimpse of a naked older woman, what would you like us to think about? I'd like people to admire to think that the person is beautiful, is sexy, is still sexually active, is intelligent, is fighting fit, got plenty of life in them, and hot patooties and ready to go. Yeah. And just many of us are fortunate enough to live a third or a half of our lives after menopause. And for most older women, it's irrelevant. I would really like young women to think... Getting older is not such a bad thing. That's beautiful. Thank you, Professor Martha Hickey. Thank you. Thank you, Jane Scott. Thanks, Andy. Thank you to Martha Hickey, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at the University of Melbourne, and Jane Scott, Program Manager and Senior Curator for the Flesh After 50 exhibition. And thanks to our reporter, Dr Andy Horvath. For information and updates, visit fleshafter50.com. 
Eavesdrop on Experts, stories of inspiration and insights was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on March 10, 2020. You'll find a full transcript on the Pursuit website. Audio engineering by me, Chris Hatzis. Co-production, Sylvie Van Wall and Dr. Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts is licensed under Creative Commons Copyright 2020, the University of Melbourne. If you enjoyed this episode, review us on Apple Podcasts and check out the rest of the Eavesdrop episodes in our archive. I'm Chris Hatzis, producer and editor. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.